you're going to Ephesians 1. I'm just telling you how to find it in the scripture when you go, when you're going in. So um, one of the things that we mentioned, I've been, I don't know if you noticed, but last week we talked about anxiety. And so one of the things we said we would do in 2020 is go from warrior to warrior. And um, so we talked about worry last week. One of the things that we said we wanted to do is, is uh, from striving to thriving. And uh, so this message is uh, from hyperdrive to hyperthrive. And I'm going to kind of explain that here in just a moment. But uh, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, if you're looking it up. <clears throat> so Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus, to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, I believe one of the greatest ways we grow from we go from striving to thriving is peace. You know, when when the Hebrew people come and they greet each other, they say shalom. And when they leave, they say shalom. And and constantly they're saying peace be to you, peace be to us. And and really it's that's an incredible greeting. When I was in Brazil and they greeted me before I would go and speak, they would, they would say, pass, pass, peace, peace, peace. Uh, because I believe that really one of the greatest ways to thrive is to live in peace. Does anybody agree with me? I mean, you see these wonderful celebrities who have so much of everything. I mean, they've got mansions, they have money, they have yachts, and they have jets. They have Almost anything that you could ask for, right? And yet you see the Olsen twins are struggling with drug addiction. Uh, you see that J-Lo is on her fifth marriage. You see that Brad and Angelina, who were once Brangelina, are no longer together. And Brad might be back with Jennifer. We're not sure yet. <laughs> we, we don't know. But in all of this, you know, it says that they're dealing with this Horrible Ben Affleck is dealing with horrible turmoil. I mean, talk about Tom Cruise. This guy's been a a winning celebrity. He's a a star, and he can't. They can't seem to make their marriages work, right? And and, uh, somebody who's just recently started saying that God saved Jesus saved his life, and he started to be a bold testimony. Justin Bieber talked about getting involved with drugs, and and so I know that money doesn't cause us to thrive, right? I mean, money doesn't hurt when we when we don't have it. It's life is pretty tough, right? We we just talked with Pastor Barry about people that don't have any of it, and when you don't have hot water, that doesn't make for a great existence, right? Hot water can go a long ways. And so money is a tool. It's a great tool, uh, having none of it, but it doesn't equate to happiness, right? Uh, agree or disagree? Money doesn't buy happiness. So I believe that peace is one of the greatest ways we can thrive. And to generate and foster peace, you need a lot of grace, which is why I love how Paul opens up this letter to Ephesus, to the saints at Ephesus, saying, grace be to you and peace from God our Father. Because first you need grace in order to have a peaceful marriage, in order to have peaceful relationships. You know that if you're going to be an heir, somebody else is going to be an heir. If you expect grace for yourself, you should give it. Because grace is one of those things 
that we kind of put into an account, right, with other people. When we earn it, because later on I know I'm going to have to use it, okay? Or I give it because I know that I'm going to have to use it later, right? Anybody felt that before? Go ahead. You want to say <laughs> yeah. Coming back to you. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, I, I said this on Sunday and I want to reiterate that so often we accuse others and we want others to excuse us, right? We, we, it just is human to, to want others, that, well, I, I messed up, but, you know, excuse it. But yet when others, we want to, when others mess up in the same way, we, want to, we find ourselves wanting to accuse them. And so recognizing that helps us to gain mercy, to give mercy. Uh, one of the ways I believe that we can go from drive to hyper-thrive is in verse, uh, excuse me, verse 15. Um, it says, Wherefore, I also, after I heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom, revelation, and knowledge of him. So, so cease not to give thanks for you. You know, the people in our life, one of the things that we do is we often forget so quickly how much someone else does. In my life, I feel like I'm always the one. I, I get this thing that, that happens where I feel like I'm being used or like I'm not being appreciated. It's just, it's in the back of my mind, I have to remind myself, you know what, JC is doing a lot today. JC has fed the baby nine times. JC ha has caused him to stop fuzzy. She's bathed him, you know, she didn't have time to, you know, she cooked for me this week. I could see there's dust building up somewhere, but I realized, like, I should be tackling that. You know, if I see it, I should do something about it, right? Uh, there's so much that, that happens at home. And so often, it's easy for me to walk through the doors and see what's not done. As, you know, there's dishes in the sink as opposed to the fact that she actually made those dishes dirty by feeding the baby and making sure that she was taking care of it. So, so one of the things I think that causes us to go from strive or hyper-strive to hyper-thrive is appreciating others. I'm always thankful for you i got to recognize what you've done for others, what, how you've helped. And it's not that we don't address issues when they arise, but we don't make mountains out of molehills, you know. We're not exaggerating the, the issues in our life. That's one way that we lose peace is when we exaggerate things, take it out of proportion. And one of the greatest ways to recognize triggers in our lives is that we overreact. Overreaction is the number one show of a trigger I, i've shared this before that um there's a couple that i counsel and um she was frustrated because her husband came out and asked if he could help her with the lawn 
and um, she was really mad at him. Now, how many know that the normal approach or response is not upset when somebody says, can I help you get the lawn done, right? But in her mind, something had happened that caused her to be that way. She had an ex-husband. The ex-husband would wait till she was down to the last three rows that were in the yard after she'd spent 45 to 50 minutes. And he would come out and say, you go ahead, go on in. I'll, I'll get this. And then when she says, you don't help me, she, he would say, no, I came out. I did the last couple. I helped you with the grass. You know, I do a lot around here. Well, she had done 45, 50 minutes worth of work, and he did five. You know, so he really wasn't carrying his weight. But in her mind, if you want to come out and help, you're, you're looking for a way to argue that you're doing as much around here or that she's not doing enough or you're not pulling your weight. So, so triggers are, we have to identify triggers to go from hyper-strive to hyper-thrive. Uh, we need to be appreciative for the people in our life. We need to operate in grace. We need to keep peace and strive to keep peace. Um, but I'm going to go to an, another chapter, and I'm going to go to chapter 5 really quick in Ephesians. I'm going to go to verse 15 here. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Another version says making the best use of the time. One of the ways that we go from hyper-strive to hyper-thrive is we reduce distractions. So first we reduce deceptions. That's what happens when we identify triggers. We have false perceptions and we have they are ultimately deceptions. So my husband's just coming out here, not because he wants to help me, but because he wants to say he's done something, right? That's, that's a deception, right? So we're here to generate peace. We're here to identify deceptions. We're here to identify distractions. We need to make the best use of the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding of what the will of the Lord is, Right? I think one of the ways we go from deception to destiny, we got if we recognize our destiny, it's easier to thrive in that because it says where there is no vision, the people perish. And perish, what does that mean? We're not talking about somebody that has an odd body shape looking perish. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That we're not we're not talking about the place that the uh, ministers live, right? We're see you, bro. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about where there is no vision, the people die, right? Because because I can't truly live without feeling purpose, without striving towards a goal, without accomplishing something. Sometimes we become miserable because we don't have. Uh, in aim, we feel like we're just maintaining instead of we're instead of actually accomplishing. So we're striving in that we're spinning our wheels, but we don't feel like we are living out our purpose. And and that's so important to go from distraction to destiny, and and destined, distracted to destined, um, and discipline. How about discipline? That one is that a hard one too? I think discipline causes us to go from hyper-strive to hyper-thrive. I mean, what, in what ways 
do you see discipline moving you towards what God has for you? Go ahead, throw, throw out an idea. When was the time where you needed discipline? Somebody told me uh, thick never feels as good as, like, thick never looks as good as skinny feels. That's not what they said? Food never tastes as good as skinny feels? That's what it is. That's what I heard. So we don't know. We're, we're not sure. That's not the Bible. But that, that's, a, a, you know, when we're, when we're looking for discipline, discipline happens like this. I used to take forever to write papers in college, like when I first started out. Because in the middle of it, I would get up, play a video game, then I would go back to start writing then I would go hang out with people, go back to writing. And then I would, be, I would feel like my whole Saturday, I didn't, I didn't get anything. All I did was write a paper. But the reality was I wasn't, I wasn't disciplined in getting the paper done when I needed to, right? And I was distracted. So making the best use of the time. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't have rest. Rest is important. But we choose when we rest, right? So from hyperdrive to hyperthrive. And then it says again in, in chapter 5, it says in verse 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that there's sometimes when we're striving because we're looking at the things that we don't have instead of appreciating the things that we do have. One of the ways that I really feel is, is necessary for thriving is appreciating what I have, making the most of what I have, looking at it. it and I'll, uh, I'll go to another passage. It says, uh, it starts to, to talk about, be therefore followers of God, earlier in chapter 5, and walk in love as Christ also has loved and given himself for us in offering sacrifice. But it says, but fornication and all uncleanness and or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh the saints. And another version says, down here in verse 5, it says, Nor a covetous man who is an idolater. Why would covetousness be the equivalent of idolatry? You have it. You have it. And, and lust is is very similar to covetousness because you are looking to satisfy your own cravings without regard for someone else, right? You're looking at what is in it for me, and not what what can I give, but what can I get? What and and so covetousness literally means this: a craving, just like you said, a hunger for possessions, uh, inordinate desire 
often for another's possessions, greedy or grasping. It's constantly grabbing for something, but it's a desire for what you lack. The reason I believe that is the equivalent of idolatry is because you are worshiping things more than you're valuing what was made in the image of God. You believe that your value comes from the things that you own. That if I have a nice car, I will be, I will, I will be more valuable. If I have a super nice house, then I will, I will be more wanted. If I have the nice brands, then I'm slicker than I was when I didn't have them. We start losing, we start losing the reality of that God gave us that, and we start putting something in front of him. If I value what God, God's imprint in me, then I, I thank God for who I am in him. I'm made in the image of God. If I think that my value comes from things, now I'm putting something else in front of God. Do you understand? You see how that works? And, and then I, I suddenly start losing my focus and my priority, and I start, thri- I start striving and sometimes even feeling driven for the accumulation of things more than on what is important. It's not wrong to set a goal, to work towards having something nice. God wants us to have nice things. Jesus had a seamless garment. But the difference is that we know that we have nice things and that nice things don't have us. That, that this doesn't give me value. I'm, I'm, I have it to enjoy, but I don't have it to make me look better, to make me feel better, to make me feel more important. My importance doesn't come from these things. So, so we, we talk about covetousness because I can't live a life of thriving if I'm driven for things alone. I heard somebody say this recently, and Eric might have quoted it, God guides but the powers of hell drive. That wasn't you? Somebody, I heard it somewhere, God, God guides us. He's the one that, he leads us, right? He leads us. But the enemy, anytime that, it's, that we're driven, he's cracking the whip, those kind of things, it's probably an unhealthy motivation or inspiration. So, um, verse 10 says, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. One of the greatest ways we can thrive is saying, God, I want to do the best of my ability, what pleases you. And Paul says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, right? So I just want tonight, I want you to give me some other ideas on how we can go from striving to thriving to to hyper-thrive. Because sometimes we can't change our immediate circumstances. However, we can change how we perceive them. And come into a, a realization and appreciation for what we have in the middle of it. Because Paul said, he said, I've learned to be content in all things. Whether I'm poor, whether I'm rich, whether I, I'm full, whether I'm hungry, whether I'm incarcerated or free. So what, what is, what's another way as people of God that we can thrive? 